Welcome to the Thunder Buddies Podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell. Here to recap the Thunder's 104-102 loss to the Dallas Mavericks on Monday night at American Airlines Center. Uh, another perfect tanking game for the Thunder, Barry. Um, a close loss, a really good comeback. Shea was terrific, especially late in this one. Ty Jerome nails a really clutch three-pointer with three and a half seconds left. Um, puts the Thunder down just two points. Again, they had trailed by 22 midway through the third quarter. Uh, then the Thunder fouls Josh Green. Josh Green misses both free throws. The Thunder gets the ball back, only down two points with 1.8 seconds left. And Mark Dagnall drew up the same exact play that he did before that New Orleans game that you'll remember, where Shea hit a three-pointer almost at the buzzer, and then Devontae Graham hits uh, it's a three-quarter quarter, um, and uh, shocks the Thunder. This one didn't end up uh, is pretty. Josh Giddy said he wished he could have the pass back. Um, he said Ty Jerome was the first option. Shea was the second option. Um, he thought those were covered up. He thought the Mavs would stick with Shea and that Mike Mescala would be open in the far corner. Um, there was actually a couple of guys around Mescala. Mescala fumbled the pass, couldn't get a shot off, and the Thunder lose. But almost a almost a best case scenario tonight in Dallas. Yeah, and it was a well, you know it was a cool ending. I don't mean the last play, but the last twenty seconds or so. I mean. I think Dagnall himself said it. The Thunder really executed well down the stretch the last 15, 20 seconds, even though they committed two turnovers. I mean, think about that. They had two turnovers in the last 15 seconds and still almost won. Um, But uh, the coolest part of the game, I thought Mavericks go up five with, I think it's Brunson, makes two foul shots, 8.9 seconds. And the Thunder inbounds the ball without calling timeout. They got they got a timeout left, but they don't use it. They hurry the ball up, and um, SGA runs a nice play with uh, for Ty Jerome. He nails a deep three, and all of a sudden it's a two-point game with 3.5 seconds. They fire Green, who's not a very good foul shooter. Uh, he misses two foul shots, and all of a sudden the Thunder calls timeout, has the ball inbounds, um, or is, is inbounding the ball at half court, with 2.6 seconds with a chance to win. Yeah. And I just thought it was exquisite um, execution there by the Thunder, even though they were only down three with, what was it, 15, 20 seconds, uh, and and had the ball, and um, was it Giddy, I think, sort of ran upon Mascala, and he dribbled the ball off his, looked like maybe dribbled the ball off Mascala's foot or something. So, um, I just, uh, it, it was clear to me, it, it, it's clear to me that the Thunder's making strides on how to approach the late game situations, even though they're still screwing up. Yeah. Also, I mean, Aaron Wiggins missed uh, two costly free throws. Yeah, that's exactly well. right. That's exactly right. Whatever, how much time left. I don't know when that There's like 50 was. seconds left, I think. There you go. So, made a ton of mistakes in the last 60 seconds. Three major mistakes and still had a chance to win. Yeah, exactly. Um, Luka Doncic had a triple-double, 20, 12, and 11, but he was just 4 of 17. Uh, I thought Lou Dort played really good defense on him. Now, Doncic did get to the free-throw line. He shot 14 free-throws, 12 of 14. Shea, by the way, was 11 of 12. That's where he did a lot of his damage. 
Dort fouled out with 2.05 left, and that created an interesting scenario because he's obviously the Thunder stopper. The other team has a superstar in Luka Doncic, and Trey Mann um, checks in. Mann does not guard Doncic, although he, he did have a steal on a play where he was sort of guarding him, got switched onto him. But Wiggins was on him, so that that gave the Thunder it, – it, it's kind of valuable, I, I would think, for two rookies – three rookies to be on the floor at the at the closing minutes with with giddy out there um wiggins and trey man all out there at the end yeah it was wild um and frankly the thunder looked with despite the rookies the thunder looked as sort of seasoned as the mavericks the mavericks i didn't i thought they looked sort of discombobulated good part of the night um they got a couple of guys that can just make shots falling out of bed. Tim Hardaway Jr., I'm talking to you. Um, but outside of that, you know, if uh, I thought the Thunder really sort of played a played a pretty solid game and uh, sort of took it to the Mavericks. You know, they're down 22, and before the third quarter's over, they're back in the game. That's, you know, that's so. crazy. A 22-2 to two run there in the third quarter. Shea had 15 in the quarter. And it looked like the Mavericks were just going to blow him out of the water after messing around in the first half. And then the Thunder had one of its, you know, almost trademark comebacks, and they've fallen short in a couple of these. But it was still pretty impressive. Um, I thought the the first half, the biggest difference between the first and the second half to me was the Thunder just could not finish around the rim in the first half. I thought Porzingis was giving them all sorts of trouble with his length. He finished with four let's see here yeah four blocks um the thunder still shot uh 52% i think at the rim which is really i know it sounds okay but it's pretty bad i league average is 65% so the thunder didn't didn't finish well but Shea kept getting to the free throw line manufacturing points um but yeah i thought the the size difference was pretty glaring especially in that second half because the thunder started Darius Baisley at the five in the second half, um, and and then you just got Porzingis at seven three just looming out there. Not that he always uses his size offensively, but I thought it was a bigger different difference defensively. Yeah, and you know the, the the Mavericks are one of the more unique teams in the NBA. They're very weird because of Doncic, because of Porzingis. They can make you, they can make things seem very strange. It's, it's almost like a a hall of mirrors or something it's almost like a carnival show and, and brunson is a unique player and um they're just a, can, they're just can i tell you something team. that's gonna upset you okay <laughs> thank you for saying okay to this two of your favorite players in the nba are, are play for the mavericks but did not play tonight boban and moses brown neither of them got on the floor yeah, and that would make them even more of a of a uh, of a freak show. Nothing, nothing. I mean, that's that's strong language, but you know what I mean. Um, do they lead the league in seven footers? Well, and also they have Marquise Chris on their bench who didn't play, and he's a he's a big man as well. Because here's the deal: there's there's all kinds of seven footers. You you there's seven footers who weren't really seven foot. You know, we talked the other night. Who was it? Uh, you know the. Uh, the uh, Cleveland's in town, and you you talked about how they sort of start three seven footers. Well, they really, Larry Markinen is not really seven foot. He's like six ten. So there's there's seven footers like Larry Markinen. 
they call Kevin Durant that some too. And then there are seven footers who are just seven foot. And then there are seven footers who are way bigger than seven foot. And the the uh, the Mavericks have three of them. They have like three eight guys. They have like eight guys in the league fit that description, and three of them are Mavericks. Boban yeah. is. What would how what 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 would you call him seven five? I don't know what he's Boban. not. He's certainly not listed at that, but he might he might be. And 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 Porzingis has ever been a seven two or seven. Porzingis three? is listed and, at seven three, and uh, Moses Brown is listed at seven two. And I always thought Moses Brown looks looks like a looks, looks big for seven two. He looks taller than two inches taller than a seven footer. Let's put it that way. Boban's so, listed at seven three, so they go seven three seven three seven two. Yeah, and I think Boban's seven ever bit a seven five. So they're a strange team, um, and that probably makes them hard to play against. I don't know. Wouldn't know about such things, um, but <laughs> uh, it, it it would probably be, and especially Porzingis. I thought you mentioned it. I thought Porzingis was pretty good tonight in the first half. His long arms bothered the Thunder. You know, he's got a little bit of a reputation for not being all that great at, at maybe the physical part of the game. But I thought his his size really bothered the Thunder in a lot of ways tonight. Yeah, and he used to be a really, really good defensive player, and then the injuries have gotten the best out of him. But... The the Thunder, I looked it up today. We talk about their driving numbers all the time, but it's crazy to look at. They they lead the league in drives by 10 drives per game, more than the second team. Um, I think it's the Hornets. So when you've got that size, that's why Cleveland is not a good matchup because they got those, those huge, good defensive players at the rim waiting for Shea to uh, come down there. And Porzingis sort of played that role tonight, but... I thought Shea, I, I don't know if he adjusted. I, I don't know what was different in the second half, but Barry, he was he was really, really good tonight. 34 points, six rebounds, and five assists and made some clutch baskets. Well, he was the best player on the floor tonight. And, you know, if you just if you just landed in from, you know, Jupiter or someplace and hadn't been home in five or six years, you'd watch that game tonight. And somebody said, you know, there's a, young superstar on the court that's, you know, might transform the game, you'd think it was Shea Gilgis-Alexander, not Luka Doncic. I thought Doncic, and I've sort of thought this all year, he looks sort of out of sorts, both physically, the way he's playing, and emotionally. I mean, he's doing a lot of griping. Um, He had that one play where he drives, and and I don't know if he got it blocked or missed. I think he just missed a a short drive. And he just stops and leans against the basket and lets his team go down and play five on four. SGA goes to the hoop and gets a layup. And I saw a bunch of shots. You know, I know he was 417, and I know he loves assists, but he passed up a bunch of shots. For a while, I thought he was going Kobe Bryant on us and just refusing to shoot. And he was he, he would he would pass up, you know, pretty good eight-footers so he could throw it to a to a guy out on the wing who is not going to have a clear shot. So yeah. I don't know what's going on there with him. They've been playing yeah, really well. That's the thing. It's like so, they maybe it's just playing down to your competition, but they have been playing really well. They got off to a slow start this season where they're basically outperforming uh, or playing worse than their record would 
would think you think they were, but now they've been on a roll. And um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like when I watch the Mavs, I catch them on bad nights. I know they they handled the Thunder pretty good there in that second game of the season, but I sometimes like I I understand Luca is just transcendent and he's probably going to be an MVP one day, but you you just didn't like feel that presence out there tonight. I don't think. Yeah, I just. They just not doing much for me, and of course, I mean they've traded in a an all world coach for Jason Kidd, who we'll see how he's going to do. But I don't know that I don't know that that adjustment or that that connectivity has really come through yet. Maybe it will. He might be the um, quietest so, coach in the NBA in game. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't. I don't. He was that. He was that way when he was playing. I don't he hear not, anything. He hardly stands up. Um, in contrast to Mark well, Daniel, his, who never sits bless down. Bless his soul. Yeah, bless his soul. We need a rule. Of all the rules we got in terms of bench decorum and all that stuff, and the, we let we let coaches stand up in front of in front of fans who are paying thousands of dollars a game for those seats. I don't understand that business practice, but um, but Jason Kidd was quiet as a player. Godly post game interviews. He was on. He'd almost. He'd almost whisper. It was the darndest thing. It really was. Yeah. Weird thing about. I, I know you've covered. Uh, I guess you've covered playoff games in this arena, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mavericks Dallas played in eleven, twelve, and sixteen. I think so. I've covered three, three different playoffs. So the AAC the Thunder does not have mic the the rim microphones where you hear the swish or you hear the clank. A lot of arenas right. do have that. No arena, at least that I've been to so far, and I've been checking some off the list, has it's it's so loud. Like you the 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 microphones on the rim pick picks up like the squeaking of the sneakers. Um and like the clanks just miss it sound horrible. I, I'm not sure I'd like to I'd like to play in Dallas if I was, like, not feeling confident one day because if you miss, everyone's going to hear how loud that miss is. It's, it, well, it's weird. It, it also picked up a few choice words tonight. Yeah, Donkic that, that also happens, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I noticed that tonight. I thought that was fascinating. So, um, yeah, you know, they, they strike me uh, in Dallas as not, not a terribly – Fantastic crowd, I don't think. No, it was pretty full, but not very loud. Um, yeah, no, that typically is that typically is what you've got, I think. Yeah. Um. In in in, in big D. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up with one more in-game thing, and then I've got uh, something else to talk to you about that I'm sure will bring a smile to your face. Um. Barry, is it time to go back to uh, to Darius Baisley off the bench, or uh, are yeah, we reading too much like, into one one game here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably too much into one game, but for crying out loud, it certainly it was glaring. You know, yeah, it was glaring. Um, and also, it's like it, Mark Dagnall said he started him for the Porzingis matchup, and then Porzingis uh, had the Mavericks for seven points. Not all against Baisley, I'll say that in his defense, but. Yeah, and he did not play well offensively, one of eight. Um, he's a minus five when he was on the court. But I I don't know. I 
again, I think it's just one game. It's not like, you know, this is if he starts, he just totally loses all basketball ability. I don't think it has anything to do with that at all. And Dagnall said that had Kevin Durant played for the Nets on Saturday in Brooklyn, or not Saturday, Thursday, whenever that game was, um, that basically would have started that game. So it's almost going to be a situational type thing where a guy like Durant, a guy like Porzingis, they like Baisley's defense so much that he is going to be a spot starter. I think you're just going to see tons of uh, tons of rotations there. But yeah, it's, it was just. It just didn't make you feel good because he has been playing so well and then he gets to start again and plays poorly. Yeah, I mean, he he looked out of back to being out of sorts offensively, um, you know, sort of quick to shoot a three. Um, you know, maybe driving a little bit more than he should. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I definitely want to see more than just one you know, one game, but that was, that was not, that was not a good sign. No doubt about it. Did you see what, uh, did you happen to hear Mark Dagnall's response to one of my questions pregame about Baisley? No, I did not. I did not. Um, so I was asking him about, you know, the reasoning behind putting him in the starting lineup tonight and the, you know, Dagnall talking about it's a matchup thing and, I said, given how well he's played recently, like could he play him back? Could he play himself back into a full-time starting role where the, you're not rotating that spot anymore? And Dagnalt, he was quite sarcastic. He said, "Quote: If he gets 17 points or more tonight, it's going to be for the rest of time." As in, Baisley is going to start for the rest of time. So, <laughs> um, it's actually it's actually pretty funny the the video was but he was like yeah we're not we're not doing anything about one game but I wasn't asking about like hey if he plays well tonight are you going to put him back in the starting lineup I was meaning right. he's played well for a couple weeks now would you consider that but uh, little snark from Mark D on this it's a long season he's getting tired like the rest of us yeah yeah. I I feel that. Um, two former Thunder players, Barry, did interesting things today. First, did you see that uh, Russell Westbrook dunked all over Rudy Gobert this evening? I did not see that. No, you have, you'll have to look it up. It's Russ has had some good dunks. This ranks. It's got to be top five of his all time dunks. He uh, he just destroyed Gobert. Are you looking it up as we speak? I am looking it up as we speak. You know, Gobert is part of that club of bigger than normal seven footers. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would be interested in seeing that one. But you know, that's good for Russ to know that he can still, you know, that he can still do it because, you know, somebody like Blake Griffin, you know, doesn't have the athletic ability that he. That he's always had, and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's about all that Russell still has. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, explosive. Yeah, a, a drive, a drive down the middle. Yeah, good for Russ. That's good. Um, did you see what Stephen Adams did today? No, I did not see what Stone Cold. <laughs> what did Stone Cold do? He picked up Tony Bradley and carried Tony Bradley away from Ja Morant. 
uh, as Bradley and Morant were getting into a bit of a scuffle. He he played the role of of a bouncer, but Tony Bradley, who Thunder fans might remember, played a a, a little bit in Oklahoma City last year. He's not he's not a small person, but Stephen Adams like, Stephen Adams literally picked him up and carried him. Tony Bradley is one of those seven footers <laughs> who's probably not seven foot, yeah. but he's still you know he's he's a big guy. Yeah. Well, here's the deal: you can't. He's the all time great in bouncer or enforcer. Adams is nobody messes with him. Nobody in the league's messing with Stephen Adams. So if if he's picks you up, you think, well, I'm I'm just going to go wherever he puts me. So, well, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's got a that's got to endear him to the good people of Memphis anyway, because Jal Morant is clearly, you know, one of the all time uh, civic institutions. The way he's got the Grizzlies soaring. Mm-hmm. So you know, my bodyguard, if if, you, if you're my bodyguard is. Stephen Adams, you're in pretty good shape. I uh, I don't know if you can access it here, but I just put it in our Zoom chat. If you want to click on that link, well, well that's crazy talk. Right nothing, there, huh? nothing like getting your real time reaction to Stone Cold. I love myself some Stone Cold Stephen Adams. There's any question about that. You know, every team that trades him gets worse. I wonder if that's uh, some sort of uh, <laughs> uh, is that is that some sort of. Uh, uh, coincidence, I guess. I guess that's what people would tell me. But uh, there it is, right there. <laughs> it's Stephen it's, Adams. It's crazy to watch. Um, I miss Stone Cold Stephen Adams. You know, he hadn't been gone that long, isn't it? That's what you I know. He like still hasn't that, played yeah. in Oklahoma City in front of fans. Really? Yeah. Did you, you see? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's walking like he's carrying him out of a just, burning building. He just picks him up and drives him back. <laughs> oh, nobody messes with Stephen Adams. Oh man, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. was asked about it after the game, and he said that like Stephen can make you feel like you're seven years old when he does something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Oh, what a joy he is to have on your squad. Yeah. There was a time when he was on our squad. That's the way I look at life. There was a time Stephen Adams roamed the Oklahoma earth. Yeah. We'll we'll end on that happy note. Um, Very first of a four-game road trip for the Thunder. Uh, Next up, they will be in San Antonio on Wednesday night. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we'll see you next time.